Well, among all the craziness and confusion, it has finally come to this. A uh, critical decision was reached, and it's kind of hard to say whether it was the right move or not. After much deliberation, Starbucks has chosen to switch up their ice cubes. <laughs> did you uh, did you actually want to hear a little more on this, or should we just jump right into the typical news? Yo, go ahead. I really want to hear this ice breaker okay. of yours. Yeah, no, well, well, believe me, when I first saw the headline, it kind of set me back a little bit myself. So, uh, yeah, so the new ice cubes will be more of a nugget size, which are smaller than the previous cubes. And uh, this move evidently is mostly due to the fact that the new ice machines use far less water, uh, which is in conjunction with Starbucks's goal to cut their yearly water usage down by half before the year 2030. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, now, I mean, as is a common stance for virtually anything out there, uh, we Americans have the, I guess you could say, a blessed gift to make a controversy out of even the littlest things. Um, Even though most are fine with the decision, others are concerned that their drinks may become too watered down, seeing that smaller ice cubes theoretically melt faster than larger ice cubes. However, Starbucks has assuredly stated that the new cubes do not actually melt any faster, and uh, quite a few customers even responded by saying the new cubes are actually a little more flakier or, you know, more chewy than the prior. So uh, there you have it. If that doesn't rock your world, I don't know what else will. (laughs) Oh, I'm dying. Um, (laughs) Well... I guess you can make a mountain out of a mohill. <laughs> um, sure. Let me let me think. Do I have anything to say about this? Um, I don't really go to Starbucks, so well, there you go. Okay, I, I haven't been in the last couple of years, and uh, I guess if this makes the you know the higher upset Starbucks be able to sleep better at night, sure. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I wasn't really expecting a huge response out of that anyway, but I just had to, uh, I saw that headline and I was like, this has got to be one of the most hilarious topics I've ever seen. So yeah, there you go. It, it really yeah. was for sure. <clears throat> it made the front lines for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, some quick points of interest before we dive into this week's legitimate lineup. Uh, first, we have OpenAI has launched the ChatGPT app for iOS. So uh, I've actually tested this out, and it works fairly well. I have mm-hmm. the free account, so there are some limitations to that. Yeah. I believe the paid account has more you know, current data and such. But uh, it, it's pretty amazing what you can request from it. And, uh, yeah, that is available for download for those who want to check it out on the App Store. Yeah, I actually saw it. That's uh, pretty uh, good to see. Now, that's on. That's only on the App Store, or is that also on um, the Play Store? Um, I'll, I would have. I didn't get a chance to check OpenAI's um website and i did look at the google play store and i didn't see it on there so okay so it's just on the app store now that's okay that's pretty good though um yeah yeah and actually one quick thing to mention as well is on the day that we're releasing this episode hbo is now changing their top tier hbo max to just 
Max. We had mentioned this in a previous episode, but the time yeah, that's right. has finally arrived. So just so you guys are aware of that. Yep. Yep. Doing a lot of combinations and consolidating there. So, um, yeah. And then we have uh, WWC. And then we have WWDC take place on Monday, June 5th. Uh, yes. It's about a couple of weeks away where we expect Apple to announce some form of their reality headset along with the uh, 15-inch MacBook Air. And the next gen upgrades for their cornucopia of software platforms from watch OS all the way up to uh Mac OS. That's one way to put it. Yeah, well, there's a lot. Yeah. There's just so, so much out there that they have. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. And then, uh, not really an announcement technically, but considering this is Ross Young, it may as well be. Uh, but he's hearing whisperings that the iPhone 16 will have a slight increase as far as a screen size. So yes, 6.3 and 6.9 are expected to be the new displays for next year's Apple handset. Which is just slightly bigger. I think the biggest size they've got right now for the, I think the Pro Max is 6.7. 6.7. Okay. Yes, that yep. is it. It's actually, it was supposed to be 6.2 and 6.8, but he did say uh, somewhere else in context that you may as well consider it to be 6.3 and 6.9. So, yep. Okay. Well, that's good, though. I mean, for people that want is a little it? bit bigger of a phone. Well, I mean, I guess you can always go so big, then it's just an iPad at that point. But and then it's, yeah, exactly, some people yeah. will probably I mean, see if it, that If as they're shrinking down the bezels, I guess I get that. Yeah. But I, I really, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of bigger phones at this point in time. Yeah, but I guess it just depends on the person. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now on to our main news for today. We have mentioned things in the past regarding Wear OS 4. And as it turns out, this next update could have potential use of Material U. Hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, Material U is a framework that allows users to theme a color throughout their UI experience on Android 12 and above. Up to this point, however, watch users have never been able to get this feature. And while I am new to Android, I would completely welcome this yeah, for sure. uh, as an added bit of customization to Wear OS. Uh, its color personalization would make for a great addition with that with what Android has to offer with personalizing yeah. how your UI looks. So yeah, I, I saw some of the images they were showcasing on the link and it looks really smooth. And obviously with the thousands of colors that you can basically uh, choose, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Now, is that supposed to also follow the, um, the system settings where like, if you change the wallpaper, it'll actually adjust the color automatically on your watch. I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's what it like, obviously that's what it does, you know, on the current version of Android. So I assume mm-hmm. they would kind of carry that over into the wearable platform too. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm excited to actually see that coming to a Wear OS. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt, I felt like Material U has been a really good addition to uh, their platform. So uh, sticking along with Google actually uh, in an effort to better help with security, which spans from reduction in spam emails, phishing scams, identity theft, uh, malicious content transmissions, uh, among other vulnerabilities, uh, Google has announced that they have plans to delete any and all accounts that no longer have any activity, mm-hmm. which includes accounts that have not been logged into within the past two years. Yeah. Yeah. I actually... Oh, sorry. Do you want me to... Uh, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned I saw that news. And actually, before that news came out, I got a notification about one of my emails. Hmm. Uh, and it said it was going to delete. It, and I was like, whoa, wait, what? Because I had thought I'd been using this email for a while, but apparently I hadn't signed into it for two years. Uh, and then come to find out this whole thing with um, Google make, making this policy now. It's like, okay, 
Um, and I still haven't signed back into it. I need to do that soon here, but yeah, I, I did hear about that. That's pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, Google says that it will give full warning, as you're saying, within their capabilities to alert corresponding users that their accounts are in danger of being permanently deleted. And uh, users can additionally maintain activity by doing various actions, such as reading or sending email, using Google Drive, Google Search, um, downloading an app from the Play Store, among other things. And uh, Google also notes that any account that has a current subscription to a Google service, digital publication, or an in-app service, uh, they that is also deemed to be an active account and will not run the risk of permanent deletion. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know... And this is kind of where the surprising part came along with what you're saying, but I guess they're actually actually starting to roll some of the notifications out. Even though the announcement was made last week, this will actually not go into effect until later this year in December. So um, they did take specific aims that accounts that were created for one-time access and have not been used since are pretty much the first to go on the list. However... No accounts associated with businesses, school accounts, or if your YouTube actually has videos uploaded to the account uh, will not be on the termination list. So you guys are good there. Yep. Yeah, that's honestly, it's pretty good for Google. I mean, it's you're giving a warning. So honestly, I I say it's pretty fair. Um, I think if you're not accessing your account, there's no point. Yeah, I mean, for real. It's true. Yeah. But I think that's good for Google because that clears up a lot of their data. And I think that's probably one of the main that's reasons that they too. did that. Yep. So, yeah, honestly, that's a good move uh, for them for sure. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Yep. Yeah. On our next topic here, WhatsApp now has announced the option to edit messages. Uh, this has been already rolled out when we're recording this on the 22nd. Essentially, you'll have 15 minutes from when you sent the message to edit it. And it actually is very similar to how Apple allows you to edit your messages, where the recipient will be able to see if you made changes, and there will be a little text above the message that says edited. And okay. um, users yeah. should expect to see this uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I've used WhatsApp. I don't mind the app. It's it's good for uh, group messaging and stuff like that. So um, yeah, this is this is pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I've never actually ran into people who are like, oh, I need to use WhatsApp with you because, you know, that's how we communicate. I've just, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I like. Yeah, that's why I only say it's mostly good for like group messaging because I think there's a few more features in there that some, uh, um, you know, uh, operating systems don't use. Uh, That makes sense. um, (laughs) You know, like Apple or Samsung. So. Yeah, I know that makes it kind of makes it seem weird because, you know, a tech enthusiast like me, you'd think I'd be testing out all the apps, but uh, that just has <laughs> never appealed to me. So, I mean, I, I, in my yeah, mind, I I'm it. like, OK, it's a meta product. So I use Facebook Messenger. Why is that? You know, and I'm kind of wondering, actually, if that editing feature will come to Messenger later on. Who knows? Yeah, that's also a good point to mention, too. So, yeah. So right on to uh, iOS 16.5, uh, that was released last week, and that came with some security fixes, uh, added wallpaper, uh, sports tab in the news app, as we mentioned, and uh, fixing some bugs such as screen time not syncing properly or possibly resetting altogether, uh, podcast content not loading in CarPlay, and spotlight search becoming unresponsive at some points. Hmm. So. Okay. Uh, but that said, there is one thing to take note of for those of you who use the Lightning to USB 3 camera adapter. Uh, upon updating to 16.5, this adapter has become non-functional. 
So Ooh. it is speculated that Apple could release a dot one update to 16.5 to fix the issue, but there is no guarantee on if or when that will take place. So, um, you know, Apple is aware of the matter and will act accordingly to the problem as they normally do. But as of now, if any of you do use that adapter on a daily basis, I would really discourage you from updating to 16.5 until Apple releases a succeeding update. Yeah, and actually, uh, another thing that Apple needs to be aware of here and fixed for sure is um, watchOS 9.5 has brought about another variant of the green tin issue, mm. something that we've also seen take place on iPhone in the past. Watch 8 and older models that support 9.5 now have a green tint. Uh, and it's been reported this is actually a software issue. And the sources indicate that some have been able to get by with restarting their watch, but many hmm. are still faced with the troublesome mean green tint. Um, yeah. Hopefully Apple takes action with this one as well and fixes it. I think uh, one the source that I looked at suggested that Apple might fix this um, coming with 16.6. Uh, or, uh, like you mentioned, um, with 16.5, um, they might do a dot one update just to really quickly fix this issue. Right. So, yeah, yeah it, it always happens when you have these updates. Some things kind of just uh, pass right by. It is strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it always makes you wonder, like, what's the underlying issue? So, aside from just the software, because mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably in conjunction with hardware once the you know software is installed. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, and actually, on a side note, something that didn't necessarily release with 16.5 or WatchOS 9.5. Uh, but it is worth noting, uh, Georgia has now joined Arizona, Colorado, and Maryland for states that support digital ID on compatible iPhones. Cool. Um, so, yeah. So, so far, this has only amounted to 8% of the country. But, you know, I do imagine that some states probably will never jump on board yeah. unless it becomes government mandated. But, yeah. As time progresses, I'm sure most people will probably be switching to, or most uh, states will be probably switching to that. So, I don't yeah, I don't see it as like, you know, I'm sure some states are hesitant right now to do that for security reasons, which which is totally valid. But, you know, um, with time, I think that'll be a, a thing to pass. Yeah. But actually, uh, staying on topic with uh, the watch series, um, not really anything of an expansive topic, but the Watch Series 9 is expected to have a processor that's based on the A15 chipset, uh, which first debuted on the iPhone 13 series. So, hmm. uh, yeah, much of this does coincide with the rumors that we expect quite a large change coming with Watch OS 10. And uh, it looks as though Apple wants to try and boost the performance that's seemingly needed uh, with the upgrade while improving efficiency. Uh, something that the larger chips are well known for when baked in with Apple's operating system. Hmm. So that's that's pretty good, honestly. Because well, I mean, I haven't had a lot of issues with my. It's an SE, granted. Me neither. Um, yeah. so it's a little bit of an older model, but there haven't really been a whole lot of lagging issues. But I mean, if Apple sees certain small details, they're paying attention to that, and I think that's really good. So. Yeah, I mean, especially with all that you know implementation of what we expect with the widgets and whatnot, and yeah. who knows what else they're going to add. I can definitely see that you know wearing down on the um, S chips that they have on current uh, watch models. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, nothing else is really noted on the matter uh, so far. We still expect the exterior hardware and finishes to remain the same as the Series Eight, 
But uh, outside of that, it seems like some much-awaited changes are coming to the wearable series, both in uh, UX and performance. So I expect nothing less from that. We'll have to see how that looks. Yeah, YouTube has finally opened the community tab to all creators. Before, this tab was only available to people like me, who have had over 500 subscribers. But now all creators, even Stern's Tech Talk here, can now participate in this. Uh, funny thing, actually, I saw this tab a couple months ago, and I actually showed it to JD, and we were both shocked because we thought it was for people who had to have way more subs. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know if it was a beta test thing that happened or if we just accidentally came about it, but yeah, we really were hyped because now we would be able to interact with you guys if there were any announcements such as us not being able to post a video or an announcement of a special we were polls doing or whatever. polls yeah. or what have you. Um, so for those of you who are curious, all you have to do, and this is available right now, go to your YouTube studio settings, go to channel, feature eligibility, intermediate features, and then once you verify your phone number, you'll be directed to sign up for the advanced features. Uh, just keep in mind that by the end of all this, you'll have to provide some form of, an, of identification. I don't think it was clear exactly what that was. Oh, that makes sense, um, yeah. So yeah, just be aware of that. But other than that, you'll be able to utilize this regardless of whether you have like 10 400 or zero so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's pretty good I, i've always been a fan of the community tab ever since it was released yeah, same here so yeah yeah I, I like i like the the voting polls i like um kind of the uh oh, what is that um the quizzes kind of where they, yes. they give you a question yep. you kind of have to choose which one Big is fan the of correct that answer really yeah so the, the, i like the way that um, youtube has kind of implemented a lot more uh interaction with their audience so mm-hmm. But uh, moving on to nothing, and when I say nothing, I actually mean the company nothing. Uh, <laughs> we've had uh, rumors in the past concerning the Phone 2 and what processor it would ship with. So, yeah. uh, But in a recent tweet this past week, Carl Pei, founder and CEO of Nothing, put those rumors to rest and stated that the Phone 2 will be powered by the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. Um, now, Many enthusiasts out there may be a little put off by that, considering that it will already set the compatibility of the phone back a year yeah. when it's bought brand new. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I kind of get what they're going at, and I can see, you know, the drawbacks. But the key thing to keep in mind is that the Phone 1 shipped with a Snapdragon 778G+. So, it was a Series 7. Yeah. Um, and... Packing the Phone 2 with an 8 series chipset from Qualcomm is really a major improvement from where they started. And, you know, while it may not be the latest, uh, Pay focuses on the fact that newer chipsets do come at a cost that's not always justified by a better experience from a consumer standpoint, at least from a tangible point of view. You know, yeah, so like that's you get true. all the latest Snapdragons and you don't really feel like, okay, where did I really see the, you know, the advantage here? I mean, you we've we've seen it when we watched the Samsung event and they had their four galaxy chip in there and yeah, that was really honed in on, you know, certain camera capabilities yeah, and such. Right. But, you know, overall it's kind of hard to say how that would, you know, factor into a day to day experience. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that though is OnePlus, they released their new uh, eleven with the Gen 2, and it wasn't really high priced. In fact, it was a lot less than we were anticipating it. It wasn't, so, that's true. I mean, I understand where uh, Carl's coming from. I get it. It's not necessarily a requirement to the newest and latest thing for user experience. I agree with that. But I also think it doesn't really harp on being overpriced as long as you do things correctly. Um, 
you know, again, with one plus, it's just, you had the gen two in there and there were some things that were missing, you know, you both, you and I would agree. Yeah. Both you and I would agree that the seven was like the, uh, their highest point. And we hope obviously to have them come back to that point, but you know, they made a change for the better and the gen two really added to that experience without even going past a certain, you know, price hike of a thousand dollars or whatever. So right, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of fifty fifty on this one. I kind of agree with Carl at certain reasons, but also kind of not. So yeah, I mean, it'll really depend on what we see as far as the pricing that uh, nothing comes out with. Yes, that is but, true. I mean, you know, he even noted that with tests on something as basic as opening up an app, results were actually eighty percent faster than the seven series chip found in the phone one. Okay. So I mean, even then, you can definitely tell that they're trying to, you know, push for those boundaries without really having to scream a hard, hard price for for consumers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, all in all, I really feel like it seems with improved battery life, performance, camera capabilities, wireless connections, etc. I feel like the Plus Gen One should give nothing the ability to offer a premium product at a more desirable price point. So. Yeah, that is a good point. But too. Yeah, I'm excited to actually see. I mean, like this is this is going to be more of a, uh, a general phone that people can get their hands on versus the the first generation. So it, yeah, and there were a lot of issues that kind of resulted from nothing one, and people were kind of put off by it. So yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that this uh, the second one uh, really brings out what Carl uh, you know has his vision um, with that. So. Yeah, and he he really is the one reason why I have so much faith in the companies that he started, you know, OnePlus, and now he's got nothing. So I really have, um, you know, confidence in where he's going and what he's going to do with it. So Yeah, for sure. You know how we had mentioned last week how Google is always improving on their AI capabilities for their devices? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, it's possible that Google will be rolling out with an AI ability for their Pixel Buds Pro called ClearCall. With the use of machine learning, your buds will be able to cancel out background noises extremely well. Moreover, sources have indicated that Google will also be widening their speech quality from 16,000 hertz to 32,000. Basically, that means that you'd be able to hear someone on a call a lot more clearly and a lot more naturally. Wow. Um, And according to 9to5Google, this update will be released in the next few months. However, it seems unclear as to whether both of these updates will be together or separate. Mm. I think this will be an amazing thing for headphone users and will definitely give Samsung and Apple a run for their money, uh, especially when it comes to AI. Like we've said, Google is really great when it comes to AI. Um, but, I mean, you never know. Uh, those other companies are probably in the background right now working with AI as we speak. So it, it's just, <laughs> it, yeah, they're, they're always kind of fighting each other, you yeah. know, phone versus phone, watch versus watch, flip versus flip, all that type of stuff. Exactly. So we'll have to see what the other two, how the other ones respond to that. But as of right now, this seems like a very good, uh, plausible thing for Google moving forward. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think um, that, you know, with all the com- competition out there between, like you said, uh, Samsung, Google, Apple, I even feel like Sony has a really good handle on, um, you know, audio they and um, yeah. noise cancellation. Although I don't feel like they, I can't really say how well they integrate that with in their own ecosystem with their Sony Xperia phones. But mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Um, still, I feel like they do have a really good basis on technology when it comes to that type of um, audio. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, we'll go ahead and move on to uh, deals. And I think we only have like uh, one or two this week. But uh, over on Amazon, you can actually get some uh, discounted Intel Core 12th gen processors. 
up to 42% off, depending on what uh, tier you want. Wow. All the way down. Yeah, so from the i5 all the way up to the i9. Dang, okay. That's actually so, pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that'll include the uh, 12900K and the 12900KS, uh, which is a hexa-core processor. So yeah, there's a. I, I think the biggest discount obviously would have to be on the lowest end, which is the i5. That comes down from 343 down to 200. So hmm. that seems like a de- decent deal there. But very much so. Um, we got an Apple deal here, and this is the Mac Mini M- with the M2 chip, the 8-core CPU, 10-core GPU, 8 gigabytes of unified memory, and 256 gigabytes of storage. $100 off right now on Amazon, and it looks like there are only seven left in stock for that va- variety, so you might want to go ahead and quickly get over there and uh, snag that deal while it's there. So, uh, 8 over 256, that's the base model, is that right? Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, going from five ninety nine to four ninety nine. It's a hundred dollar deal right there. Uh, so yeah, just if you've really been w- thinking about getting one, kind of hesitant, waiting for a price drop, this would probably be your best bet right there. So yeah, for for an entry level, yeah, because I mean, obviously, I would be waiting for the one that has four USB C ports on the back, but that's just me. Amen, brother. Uh, <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. But uh, actually sticking right along with Apple, something that many content creators have been waiting for would be to have access to more options of audio and video editing software on mobile platforms. Mm-hmm. Well, Apple has now joined in on that competition with launching Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro for the iPad. Finally. Um Yes, finally. Uh, a couple things to take note of for those of you who are curious. Uh, for Logic Pro, which is the audio editing software, uh, the iPad must have an A12 chip or newer. And for Final Cut Pro, the iPad must have an M1 chip or newer. And both applications require at least iPad OS 16.4. So I am uh, I'm pretty thrilled about this. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I am actually. Um I've been waiting for this for a while because I've always wanted to edit on a an iPad or you know a pad in general. It's it's oh, difficult, yeah. especially when you have um, you know maybe perhaps a pad that's not as capable. <laughs> normally, pads aren't really known to do that type of thing, and so for exactly. this to be released is just really good. And there's other audio and video editing softwares out there, but they're really exactly. not that great um, unless you have to pay for the subscription or whatever, and that's you know. That's kind of annoying. And I think there's actually a subscription for this anyway, but yeah, no, there is. And actually with this, um, the cost for each software comes in at four ninety nine a month or fifty bucks a year, which would actually be a ten dollar savings. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, right there, I feel like that's a decent price for I mean, you're using like full fledged software right there for video and audio. I kind of feel like that's a great way to get access to it. Yeah, and it's most likely geared to being more efficient and easy to use because Using an iPad to edit can be a little bit troublesome, sometimes a little bit finicky. Um, but I'm, I would say, expecting Apple to have taken the um, precautions to make sure that it's user friendly. So, yeah, to be able to use something like that on a touch interface, I feel like is really going to be. Um, I can't, I can't, no, I can't really say if it's going to be groundbreaking, but I think a lot of people will welcome that, uh, especially if, you know, you have like an Apple pencil that has like precision and you can kind of go right in there and do what you need to do. Yes. I was going to say that. Yeah. The other addition of that as well would just make it a whole lot cleaner too. Exactly. 
Yeah, and current, actually currently Apple is offering a free one month trial software. So I'm actually looking forward to testing out myself and seeing how that works on my iPad, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the size of the application. So yeah, absolutely. Really excited <laughs> to see how that works. Um, yep. We've not really mentioned this company a whole lot, but it's worth noting that Motorola's Razr 40 Ultra has had its US name leaked. It's not a shock to some, but it will be labeled as the Razr 40 Plus. Now, regarding the outer screen, sources say that it will support a QWERTY keyboard and a full utilization of apps. This is a pretty big thing for foldables, considering that every other foldable out there right now can only do so much, such as widgets, making calls, and telling the time. The usual stuff. Yeah. With the Razer Plus, however, you'll be able to do essentially the same things that you can do if the phone were open. There's even some footage from a reliable source, Evan Blass, showing some of the actual leaked video uh, showcasing the capabilities of the outer display. As per usual, we will leave the links down in the description so you guys can go check out uh, the video, uh, check out the quick video. It's really amazing in my opinion. And I, I, I looked through that and I was like, wow, finally a foldable that you can actually use as a phone on the exterior display. It's, it's something that I've always harped on most. Uh, and obviously for newer ones, I'll give them some slack, but you know, even Samsung is just like, you hardly have anything there. And even with, um, Oppo having a larger display than Samsung still only having widgets. And for Motorola of all companies to come out and do that is just, it's a really good thing. And I think this is going to be a good turning point for them. Yeah, I mean, they actually did do quite a bit of um, trailblazing with their previous Razer models and mm-hmm. uh, giving yeah. a lot of usability to that cover screen. So I'm, I, I would expect nothing less to see them continue to improve yes. that. So. Mm-hmm. And again, Oppo is just more of a letdown. I kind of felt like they missed a huge opportunity because they were... I would say probably the second company out there to, you know, bring along a bigger cover screen display and kind of just throw some crappy <laughs> software on the phone. Yeah, they had so. they had their perks as well. And I almost thought they're gonna be the underdog of the the foldable um ecosystem. But yeah, I have to agree with you, unfortunately. It it they just didn't make the cut uh in regards to that. So but uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated with any news related to the, um, this Motorola device. Um, but yeah, do they have a price on that at all, or any rumors on that when that's supposed to come out? Yeah, uh, it, they state that it should be released to June first at a thousand dollars. So well, that's not bad. That's right in the Samsung lane right there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like um, yeah, I feel like that's one that I would definitely try to see if we can get our hands on because as we mentioned before, we're more big fans of flippables and foldables, but Mm-hmm. More so flippables for me, but yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So, but uh, BitDance is running out of time, which is quite apropos considering their app has raised all sorts of controversy. But the first state to speak up towards the ban on TikTok is Montana. Okay. As they have instated a law that the state will no longer permit the usage of the app statewide. Uh, to the point where if anyone is in violation of this, then BitDance will be fined $10,000. Wow. And that fine is put into action for each violation. 
So, Jeez. Uh, and it's also stated that all platforms that offered the application on their library, i.e. Google's Play Store or Apple's App Store, then those companies will also be fined as well um, in the state of Montana. I mean, personally, I actually find this to be a bit controversial only because on one hand, uh, you kind of have people telling you what you can and cannot have on your device. And I mean, obviously, there is content that no person should have access to, but yeah. in some way, it kind of seems a bit totalitarian, and it makes you wonder what else this could transition to with other apps and such. So, I mean, obviously, in this case, it's security and national privacy that's the main concern, but... Uh, True. Yeah, I kind of have my own thoughts in regards to TikTok in general. Um, I do agree with you. It has been noted that, you know, TikTok is a, a Chinese sort of spy software and stuff like that. And I'm inclined to believe that for, you know, various reasons and evidence put up towards that. Um, yeah. Even still, I guess to, to a point, I would agree with you. It's kind of questionable questionable to remove that um, from yeah. people's use um, if they're not, you know, if they don't want to look at the evidence or, you know, they should be able to make their own decisions based um, on that. So, yeah, I agree with you to an extent there. It is. Yeah, it kind of makes you feel uneasy. Um, and I feel like the other side of this controversy is that TikTok said that they would fight this with an appeal uh, stating in a tweet that the bill quote unquote, infringe on the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana by unlawfully banning TikTok. They have since then sued the state of Montana taking place on Monday the 22nd concerning the matter. Now, I was kind of going through publications and YouTube journalists, and I just have to say, I love what Jaime Rivera said over at Pocket Now Daily. Uh, he said, quote, not that I'm in favor of this or against it, but I just find it hilarious that all Google services are banned in China, but the opposite is a problem for a Chinese company in the U.S., unquote. Hmm. You know, I mean, if that doesn't shed some clarification on the situation, I honestly don't know what else will, because Good I point. agree. <laughs> you know, our government and country can't be cautious in relation to our security and privacy, you know, but other countries can just fire at will. Uh, not to mention yeah. twisting the First Amendment. I just feel like that's... I don't think TikTok has a chance to, you know, stand on that statement because it's not really the law infringing upon the First Amendment. It's that they want citizens to exercise their free speech through their app. So and there's plenty of other apps that people can use, you know, to exercise that, you know, free speech. YouTube so. shorts. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Facebook. Totally Reels. agree with you right there. Exactly. Yep. Like literally shorts are a requirement almost for es exactly. essentially every media <laughs> app out there. Even um, Instagram has shorts as well. All of them. It's like, I don't see why. I, I guess maybe it's also like, you know, if you're a TikTok star or whatever you want to call it and, you know, you have a loads of followers and if you're in Montana, you lose that ability. I can kind of get around that. Um, I get that. Yep. Yeah. It's just... I totally agree with you right there. If one person can do it, but one person can't, it creates a double standard. Not even just one person, but a government. It's, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about uh, free speech right there. So, And I mean, it's not even like um, we haven't had this come across with uh, Huawei. I mean, they're they're banned. So it's, it's mm -hmm. just there's certain, yeah. you know, we do have some limitations and, and some uh, laws that go into effect that kind of, you know, you got to play by the rules. So. 
Apple Pay is something that many use on a daily basis. Absolutely. I know JD and I actually use it a lot. And while many are still hesitant about it, it is becoming more and more popular as time progresses. Oh, yeah. Most grocery stores here in the U.S. use essentially all forms of mobile pay, including Samsung and Google. Yep. However, there is one store that is still resilient to this day about using it, and that is Walmart. Ever since 2016, they've used QR code technology for users to pay. One of the possible reasons why they don't uh, want to switch really has to do with very tiny percentage that Apple makes when a purchase is made. They are thought to make about 0.15% of every purchase made using it, and that could also be why it has made them want to employ it less. Uh, Walmart has also had thought at the time more and more people would be using their form of payment and that mobile payments would actually never succeed them. Uh, yeah. As we see now from most grocery stores, that could not be further from the truth. Kroger has finally taken the to Apple Pay, and this has stirred up the public questioning why Walmart uh, has still not been using any form of mobile payment. From personal experience, it's quite a bit quicker using Apple Pay than having to scan a code, process the payment through my card, and then wait for it to complete the purchase. Yeah, It's not a major deal, but when we're talking about basically every major grocery store using Apple Pay and other forms of mobile pay, it is kind of annoying when you walk up to the register, you grab your phone, and then you're like, oh, right, QR code. And I feel like you'd agree with me uh, on this, JD, although I won't speak for you, but that's just mildly irritating for me that they're still stubborn on this matter. Yeah, I mean, for one of the biggest companies in the United States, uh, I just feel like that's a real negative aspect to the whole shopping experience. And uh, yeah, I mean... yeah. For sure. I, I'm not going to lie. I use Walmart Pay all the time. Yeah. And really the only reason why I do do that is because I love tracking my uh, receipts. So it's just easier not that is to a good point. in paper form. Yeah. And so there is that advantage. But as far as Apple Pay, you're right. I mean, there are so many. I, I just went to Taco Bell. Crazy. Uh, and... <laughs> And I mean, all, yeah, all I had to do was just take out my phone, tap it, ding, I'm done, and they hand me my food. So with the QR code, yeah, you have to scan it. You also have to select which card you want Yes. Uh, after that. And so it's like it just slows down the process, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, well, this is almost archaic in some ways. Yeah, and actually to your point of um, you know being able to save your receipts, Walmart now gives you option an option to actually save your receipts Text. through your mobile app or yes. yeah through text so yep. even then it's like you can still save it there if you're really wanting to save it in your phone it's just yeah. i really hope that walmart sees this the the move that kroger's made and is like okay i guess we're gonna do it now <laughs> but yeah i think i feel like that's something uh as hopeful as i am that they would do that uh there's also some strong doubt that says they won't i mean just look at this is kind of a different aspect but just look at uh chevy with Apple CarPlay. Uh, there's someone that's going backwards and removing CarPlay. So, yeah, that's uh, true. You know, it just goes to show you that certain companies will probably never, you know, jump on board or even just, you know, retract and go in an opposite direction. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I would say is a drawback for Walmart is just, you know, the simplicity of being able to pay that way. Um, obviously, there are always going to be those people from various generations that no matter, what kind of technology comes along, they will kind of always be 
hesitant towards mobile pay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I am a firm believer in cash, but I do that like the simplicity that, you know, mobile pay offers. So. Yeah, 100% agree with you right there. But yeah, so, and we actually, going back, we did mention about WWDC. Well, uh, Google I.O. 2023 is now over, and now we know what that means, which is more leaks and rumors about fall products and features. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) this one I actually think you might find a bit interesting, though. Uh, A leaked video, which has since been removed reveals what looks to be a Google-produced demo that showcases the use of a temperature sensor that's built into the device, which would not only allow you to determine the temperature of things around you, but according to the demo, its primary design is to be used as a touchless thermometer. Hmm. Pretty much like the ones you can buy at your local drugstore or online with Amazon or, like we were just said, at Walmart. That is actually wild. I think I actually saw some news regarding that, or maybe it was something else. I can't remember, but when I first saw that piece of news, I was like, wow, that's pretty incredible. I, I actually remember, this is a small story here, I remember, uh, and maybe you've done this too, back when I first had my first iOS device, I downloaded an app that lets you uh, see the temperature of your own body. And I I thought it was, oh, it's probably true. I'm going to see my temperature of, you know, how I'm feeling right now or whatever. But it's totally a scam, obviously. It wasn't even real. But, um, you know, seeing how far we come with technology, that is um, pretty mind-boggling, honestly. it's I'm really all here for it. Yeah, I mean, my... My wife was kind of a little skeptical on it because, you know, she's kind of looking through the information and, you know, what these rumors entail. And, you know, she's like, well, you know, what about the data privacy? Because, you know, that's going to be stored on Google's cloud and stuff like that. And I know it's just temperatures. And I'm like, yeah, I can definitely understand the controversy. But, you know, even she, you know, agreed uh, from my point of view that I'm like, you know, there are some practical benefits. Like if you're on the road or if you're on vacation or something like that, and you didn't bring your thermometer with you and one of your kids is sick, you don't have to run out to, you know, Walmart or whatever to get a thermometer. You can kind of also just valid. get an idea. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, while touchless thermometers are still questioned on accuracy by doctors, you know, I, I do have to say that this is at least a pretty interesting gimmick. And uh, I'm sure that with some refinement, it could even prove to be quite helpful uh, in the long run. So, yeah, like we said at the beginning of this episode, there's always some controversy no matter what the topic is. <laughs> yes. So as small as ice cubes all the way up to TikTok. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Um, but uh, with that, we will go ahead and close out this week's episode. Really do appreciate you guys checking back in with us. And we certainly hope you were enlightened by some of these topics and news that's come about this past week. But we will be back next week with more tech news and rumors. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out.